The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. The word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. We are here this morning, and we are going to be blessed this morning by a presentation from Pastor Mark Perkins on what's going on with the Eva and Elia ministry in Tahiti. And I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to that. Before we dive into that, he will be talking about spiritual matters. And if time permits, I'm actually going to be teaching some spiritual matters as well. So before we dive into all of that, let's prepare our hearts and make sure we're ready for these things. Shall we pray? Most gracious and merciful and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for blessing us with this opportunity to gather here at the church this morning. And we thank you for the missionaries that are doing work throughout the world, including what is going on in Tahiti. And we thank you that this little local church, a small little church on the side of the highway, is able to support ministries throughout the world that are spreading your word and in particular spreading the gospel and we ask that you would bless our time as we hear this report we ask that you would help each and every one of us to be prayerful with regard to these kinds of ministries supporting them financially if we can but prayerfully all the time and we ask that as mark makes his presentation that each and every one of us would be edified and blessed through what we hear we ask all of these things in jesus Christ's most precious and beautiful name Amen. Well, it is my blessing to introduce Pastor Mark Perkins. I met Pastor Mark at the Chafer Conference as we're getting ready to have come up here this week. That's where I met him. And when I first met Pastor Mark, he was actually a pastor at Front Range Bible Church in Denver, Colorado. And uh, he also uh, came to eventually serve on uh, the board there at Schaefer Theological Seminary, and so uh, he's been in, he's ha- he's worn a lot of different hats, but the Lord called Pastor Mark to ministry in Tahiti, and I'm very thankful that he responded to the call, uh, because when God calls, sometimes we are stubborn and we don't <coughs> respond. But Pastor Mark responded, and he's no longer serving as the pastor at Front Range Bible Church, but he is now part of Evangelia. Uh, which is a ministry reaching many people in Tahiti, and I'm excited to hear his report. Thank you. Okay. Um, Here's what we're trying to do. It's so simple. We're we're trying to make a church like this in Tahiti, okay? And and just in the simplest terms, uh, we want a church with a clear gospel and expositional Bible teaching. No church like this exists in French Polynesia. In essence, it's a, uh, a blank spot on the Great Commission map. And so uh, I, I learned this, and I got really excited. Uh, no one's doing what we did at Front Range for 33 years, and now that work continues. Um, but uh, this is what we're trying to do. Uh, there are no pastors who are prepared for ministry in the whole country. Not a single one. Um, 
so much confusion reigns regarding the gospel. Uh, predominant among evangelicals is this little heresy uh, we call water baptism. Not that uh, it's wrong to water baptize, but to say it's a condition for salvation. Uh, you, you're kind of in the thick of a Galatian-type heresy. And uh, so that that we meet that everywhere we go. Uh, so uh, we're in the thick of it. We're in the battle, and we deeply appreciate your help. And so uh, essentially our challenges are lack of a clear gospel, and we're training people to understand what the gospel is and what the gospel is not. Uh, Number two is uh, to develop leaders and especially pastors who can rightly divide the word of truth. Um, Currently, there are none. And when we engage with the pastors who are there and in pulpits, uh, they're very typically not interested. They think they're okay when they're not. And um, so we're doing that. We're beginning to realize, and I'll I'll engage with the uh, PowerPoint here in a moment, that we might just have to go younger into uh, the generation of Ruth, uh, youth in French Polynesia. So here we go. Uh, biblical literacy, very, very low. Uh, nobody knows how to study the Bible, even among pastors. Uh, here is sermon prep for a pastor in our country. They have a Bible and they have a concordance and they teach on a topic. And so they uh, look up uh, that topic in their Bible concordance, and away they go. And uh, uh, there is not an ounce of Bible teaching in context that we have encountered. Uh, there, there is whenever I teach, and I get my opportunities, but it's rare. And when we do get to teach, uh, whether it's a home Bible study or whether I teach at a church, people tell us we've never seen teaching like this before. And a, a great thing to pray for is that they go the next step with that. What do I need to do to, to learn to teach like that? And we're still praying for individuals like that. Uh, massive confusion about the gospel. And so uh, our strategies are as follows. Uh, our strategy is to lead solid, in-depth Bible studies. We have a beautiful uh, Tuesday morning group. People come from uh, both ends of our island and meet us about in the middle of the south side of Tahiti. And uh, er- everyone gathers. Uh, sometimes we have Five or six, sometimes we have a dozen. Uh, and uh, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, I think we had 12 or 13, and we did an all-day study, and everyone was so excited. And so there's our, our little pool of possibilition that we have. And it's mostly women uh, with a couple of men involved as well. Um, so... The, the purpose of these Bible studies is to give people the meat of the word 
and pray that it creates an appetite. So we give them a good Texas-style barbecue Bible study. (laughs) And if that doesn't work, there's just something wrong with those people. Uh, We teach bibliology or the study of the Bible itself, how how it was inspired, what the canon is. And uh, uh, this, uh, we think, is essential because, I'll give you an example, uh, had, had a man come and visit us uh, Thursday morning, the day we left, and he said, you know, I, I hear everything you teach, and then my friends teach something different. And I'm just filled with Christ's love, and, you know, it's great what you guys are doing. But it was like, there is no truth. And I, I looked him in the eye, and I said, there's only one truth. There's only one truth. And I said, the reason that we're teaching you Bible study skills is for you to be able to decide for yourself what that truth is. You're not ready yet, but we're working on it. And he, he's continuing to engage in studies with us. Uh, we teach soteriology or the doctrine of salvation. Uh, because if the gospel is confused, well, uh, nobody's getting saved. Uh, we teach, uh, we're getting ready to teach Christology because the cults dominate on that island. Uh, the the uh, uh, evangelical Protestant church of French Polynesia, uh, once about 170,000 strong, is dwindling away, hemorrhaging away into the Mormon and Jehovah's Witness churches. Because they don't teach the Bible and they don't have a clear gospel. And uh, we, we pray for allies among them. We have, we have one good Bible study group and another uh, uh, family that uh, whenever we go, they're so excited. And on the one hand, to see us, and then we, well, how's it going? And the evangelical Protestant church, the, the Maohi Protestant church. And they say, well... You know, they're, uh, they've decided that they're going to have in 2024 or 2025 500 people do evangelism throughout the island. Oh, really? That's great. No, they're evangelizing uh, uh, to go back to the old pagan religion. So Taaroa. They're uh, um, going back to the ancient Polynesian gods. And so these people are very discouraged. Uh, It's estimated that from that 170,000, there's now maybe about 20,000 people who would stand fast in some biblical form of Christianity. And and that's dwindling and bleeding away. So we want to teach Christology. Jim Myers is coming in August, and he's going to do a couple of weeks, I think about 10 days on Christology. And so we're looking forward to that. I say engage, engage, engage. Um, we love to meet people. Uh, we uh, Polynesians love to eat, so do we. And so we we share meals with, we fellowship with, we worship with, and we tell people about what we're doing. Um, and, and then finally, our strategy is to start young and to start younger. Uh, even on the table for us is, is beginning discussion 
about uh, uh, homeschool curriculum in French, uh, and beyond that, even whether we might uh, want to establish a private Christian school on the island. And so these things are, are under discussion. Um, so with uh, regard to children's ministries, uh, Operation Christmas Child uh, is from Samaritan's Purse. They, they have a pretty clear gospel, and uh, they talk about uh, Jesus, sin, and, and trust in Jesus for eternal salvation. And so it, it's pretty solid. Um, I, I might change the language here and there, but they, they're okay. Uh, we've worked with them. They've, uh, they've reached about 40,000 children in the last two and a half years. Uh, we were in uh, uh, some of their events. Uh, we were with them on the island of Rayatea, uh, where 1,400 children heard the gospel. Uh, Taha was a precious one to us. And uh, there, about 800 children out of 850 on the whole island uh, got to hear the gospel in the week that we were there. Boy, we were busy. And the Lord answered so many prayers. And uh, so it was a fantastic time. And that's just children, but they give uh, out materials that are for the whole family. And that's just children age, uh, let's see, 2 through 14. And uh, in addition to that, uh, we have village ministry gospel coins, and I always work the crowd at these events. So I go around to adults and hand out gospel coins in French and Tahitian language and say, Hi, you ever ask yourself this question? Where will I spend? Where, where will you spend eternity? And uh, I get some interesting interaction, of course. So um, we have an English club, and in our little hometown of Papara, uh, there's a dozen or so beautiful souls who listen to English and Bible faithfully from us week after week. And this is our intention to get these children engaged in basic discipleship. Uh, and that's what we mean by starting young. This is a fulfillment of our strategy. Uh, Renee has also helped with Sunday school at church, and we're, we're kind of uh, um, feeling our way a little bit with, with how to do that. Uh, but uh, children's ministries, and again, these can, uh, these can develop in uh, various ways. So please pray for these. Uh, here is our English club. This is with uh, Renee on her birthday in January. And uh, you can see some of the kids. Uh, uh, when we uh, drive into the neighborhood, uh, the kids come running out of their houses and swarm us. It, it's uh, an amazing moment. Uh, I get choked up because uh, I, I miss them. <laughs> but um, uh, it, it's amazing uh, to be loved so much. And uh, it may be because of the snacks that we bring. <laughs> Um, you, you know, I'm trying to be objective a little bit, but uh, no, they they love us and we love them, and uh, um, it's pure joy. And so you can see some of our our girls here. Um, uh, also, activities and fulfillment of our strategy church ministries. One year ago, we were here, and um, it was really interesting. We didn't have a church. We didn't have a local church that we were attending one year ago because the church where we were attending 
they started getting really sneaky, and we didn't understand. And next thing you know, they're Seventh-day Adventists, and we're out of there. And so um, we looked around, and uh, finally, after a couple of months, we found a church. And get this. I'm going to say two words that are going to freak you out. Are you ready? It's a Methodist Pentecostal church. <laughs> so I don't know if those two words go together and 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 they, you, you know, uh, make it exponential. I don't know what it is. But uh, what we were hearing was some pretty good teaching out of there. And the pastor is an American and teaches in French. Uh, assistant pastor is a Tahitian guy. And uh, at the big Pentecost celebration uh, last, um, it would have been April or end of April or May, um, the pastor taught as the keynote speaker. And he said, here's, here's the thing about what the Holy Spirit does. He produces fruit in our lives. He he didn't talk about tongues. He didn't talk about miracles. He didn't talk about anything but the fruit of the Spirit. And it stopped us dead in our tracks. Well, I think this is where we might land. Um, We've never heard anything but grace gospel. Uh, And so... Uh, that's where we landed. And so I, I teach from time to time on Sundays. I've taught there at the L'Eglise La Bonne Nouvelle, uh, the Good News Church, and also at various other churches in Reatea, uh, Morea, uh, Tahiti, and also we made a trip to Fiji, and I taught at Latoka Bible Church in, uh, in Fiji. And uh, uh, in English with Indian translation, or uh, Farsi, no, not Farsi, um, what's the Indian language? Um, drawing a blank, doesn't matter. Uh, it was that language, and it didn't come to me supernaturally either. <laughs> so uh, here I am at, at L'Eglise La Bonne Nouvelle. Um, I put on shoes that week, so that was good. Um, at the Upper Room Church in Morea, uh, pray uh, for Pastor Nicholas, Nicola. Uh, Nicholas, uh, uh, he has expressed that he would really like to engage in studies with us. And he just won't make that step across the line. He's very mysterious. Um, so we're working with him, and it's one of those things that only the Lord can do it. Please pray for him. Um, we do Bible studies. We have a remarkable Tuesday Bible study. Uh, we do Stranger on the Road to Emmaus. We've got another box of 20 um, uh, French copies coming to us this week. Uh, we do Women of the Word from DM2, Mastering God's Message also. Uh, and so uh, our Tuesday Bible study has been awesome. Very devoted group, very respectful, uh, highly motivated uh, walk away. We we study for two hours and they don't they don't want to quit, and uh, they walk away every time smiling and can't wait for the next one. And uh, then we have our friend Amota. Uh, he has two groups in Papiete and Arue, 
and Amoda is uh, Tahitian for Amos. And every time we go, they're so enthusiastic, but they're not stepping across the line. Same thing. Pray for them. Uh, and then Magali uh, is one of our precious, precious friends. Um, uh, that was the first place at her house on Morea uh, that I taught in the country when we were doing short-term trips. And so Magali, uh, we're down to just uh, two people most of the time, but uh, they, they love what we're doing. We love them. Uh, it's a 14-hour day uh, when we go to Morea. We have to drive take a ferry, take a bus, take a taxi uh, on the way back, and then the ferry, and then drive. So it's 14-hour day, uh, sometimes less, depending on wh- which ferry we ride back. But uh, And that's for about three hours of Bible study and prayer and fellowship. So uh, we do these Bible studies to engage, to give them Texas Barbecue Bible Study. That's what we do. Um, Here is uh, Magali. Um, She, uh, this place where we go to her house, uh, um, it's like a shack. And we sit out on the dilapidated porch that's falling. Uh, The boards are breaking and everything else. And we just do our thing, uh, often in sweltering heat. and um, uh, But it's a, a precious thing. And wherever you find positive volition, you go. You just go. Um, there's our terrific Tuesday group. And we all lit candles uh, to commemorate um, uh, that we had finished The Stranger on the Road to Emmaus. And uh, I wanted to light candles to signify that it's their turn now to go find groups to teach. And we, we want to spread uh, that, that great, clear gospel and uh, such a nice book uh, out to as many people as possible. It's in French. Um, if I say great theological resources in the French language, what do you think? There's a few, but not many. Pastor training, Punari Lee, uh, he's an extraordinary evangelist, and uh, we love him to death. Uh, pray for him. Pastor Nicholas, I mentioned, uh, from Atea Morea. And uh, I also taught at the College of Theology and Evangelism in Latoka, uh, Fiji. Uh, not sure we'll go back there. If the Lord leads, we will. Um, uh, they've been around for 50 years as of 2024. And um, uh, it, was, it was a good gig to go there, uh, for sure. Uh, but I think we're going to be more focused on Tahiti. So there's uh, Punari'i. Um, no car seatbelt will hold him. He's a large man. Uh, here I am with Nicola uh, on that uh, creaking porch. And uh, here we are in Latoka, Fiji. So in April, we had a a team of five women from Village Ministries, and they came out and did uh, women's conferences and seminars for 
uh, was it over a week? It seems like it was maybe 10 days or so that they were there. Uh, it made so many great connections for us, and this is why we like to do these kind of, uh, of events where we have visitors, because Tahitians are very curious, uh, and they'll come out and, and listen. And uh, It's very daunting for them sometimes to think we're going to study the Bible for six hours today. You, what? And for us, it's like, ah. Oh but not so much for them. Uh, it so happened that on one of the days right at our house, there was this great rainbow, so we put them all in front of the rainbow there. Bible Institute of Polynesia. Um, back several months ago, a lady at church uh, said, tell me what you're doing. So I did. She said, we need to form a legal nonprofit in Tahiti. And she's a lawyer. And we did. And we are. And uh, so Nelly Humatai, uh, we have legally established a Bible Institute, Institut Biblique de Polynesie. Uh, we can do many things host events, teach classes, found schools, accept funding, and participate in local education. As a legal nonprofit, we can have partnership with USA Bible Colleges and seminaries like um, Colorado Biblical University, where I work, and Chafer Seminary and others. Uh, we can also partner with the University of French Polynesia uh, because there's a way that you can teach theology there without getting all uh, mangled with the French government. It's tricky, but you can do it. Uh, so there would be a similarity to Slovoboga Bible College in Kiev, Ukraine, and uh, we would love to do just that. And so this is the year that we're going to start teaching classes there. Um, and uh, we, uh, this uh, lady who wanted to partner with us, she's remarkable. She's a go-getter. And we're looking for property and we want to build a building where we can have classrooms and offices and so on. So pray for us. Pray for wisdom. So there's Nellie. She's our chief operations officer. And uh, when I said, you should be the chief operations officer, she said, what's that? <laughs> and so uh, we're, we've really been training. Uh, Cliff, you mentioned the... Uh, 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 some of the time that I had on the Chafer Governor's Board, uh, been with the Foundation and Rejuvenation of Colorado Biblical and also Versity. And so uh, for the last three-plus years, we've developed a university here in the States from scratch. And it's been a great journey, and that's kind of our aim there. So the experience has been applicable, to say the least. Here's our initial meeting of... Uh, uh, eight people, January 18th, uh, just uh, less than two months ago. Uh, we've had visitors. If you know Mark Musser, his daughter Rachel Musser, and her friend Amber, Amber have come twice. Uh, my lifelong friend, Nick and Teresa Turkovich, uh, came and visited. Eddie and Carrie Roman from Living Waters Ministry uh, came, and they filmed their TV show in Tahiti with us. And later this year, it will be on their YouTube channel, I think. 
you think uh, it's a little weird because um, they're Calvinists. But when they preach the gospel, it's clean. And they have, I don't know how many millions of followers. And we're going to be on their TV show, uh, including a brief interview and so on. So uh, Kip and February Johnson came two weeks ago. Uh, I, I officiated their wedding 25 years ago on Valentine's Day. And they came back uh, down to Tahiti. We did a renewal of vows. Uh, on the Black Sand Beach. And uh, Alawa and Kainoa Smith uh, with Karis uh, Eastland uh, Christian Surfers. And uh, they were down for family reasons. Uh, and um, it was great. So and uh, my sister Tammy comes, uh, countless Polynesians. And I mention all these visitors because we like visitors. And uh, we like people to come and see what we're doing. And there's nothing like seeing it firsthand. And then go back to your church and talk about it. So, so we do enjoy that. And uh, there's going to be more and more things to do there in a spectrum of um, services. So something to think about as well. And uh, we have uh, Polynesians visiting us all the time. So we have visiting preachers and teachers coming from USA, uh, Moses Amwabiko in um, not uh, May, but now in October 24, uh, August 24 is Jim Myers, uh, also Dr. Titus Kennedy of Archaios uh, Bible Institute or uh, Archaeological Institute will visit us uh, later this year according to plans. Uh, we have a homeschool pilot program developing for isolated islands. Uh, we hope to uh, uh, see uh, be further engaged with that in the latter half of this year. Uh, again, partnerships with USA Bible Colleges and Seminaries, uh, evangelism and discipleship for Christian surfers to Haiti. And um, the Lord has really shifted us and opened doors to this organization. They're asking us to come and train them on how to share the gospel, personal evangelism, and uh, to how to engage others in, in that. So uh, we also, please pray that we can resume our uh, Bible translation project. Uh, we recently had uh, uh, one meeting on this. And I, met, I uh, talked to a lady uh, last Sunday at church. Uh, I looked at her and said, you have a degree in the Tahitian language from the local university? Tahitians need a good Bible. Let's talk about it. She said, yeah. So you can uh, look at us at evanelia.org. You can sign up for our newsletter, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And do you have any questions. Yes, ma'am. Um, I'm learning French daily. And um, uh, I, I began seven years ago, uh, almost eight years ago now. Uh, after the first trip there, uh, I saw the Mormon churches and I thought the Lord could use good Bible ministry here. And that was the beginning of our journey. It was, it was really 
uh, I, I just call it a, 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 a Samaritan, good Samaritan kind of ministry. They're, they're dying for Bible teaching there. And so you, you, see, you see him bleeding on the side of the road like that, and what do you do? You go, you get after it. So I started learning French, and uh, the, boy, there's nothing like immersion to uh, teach you French. French is a gnarly language. Uh, I have, uh, if I can use a surfer term, um, I have uh, learned Greek, Hebrew, and some Russian, and Spanish, and so on, and French is just, it's hard. <laughs> but I'm doing fine. So, yeah. Doug. Well, I think it's interesting when you talk about French people talking and they, they express interest in having a uh, African or whatever people like naturalization. Mm-hmm. Yes, from the French government. Um, the French government is secular, aggressively secular, um, and uh, they'll just kick you out if they don't like you. So we we need to be careful. Uh, there are there's active resistance from um, and passive resistance from the uh, Assemblies of God, uh, who are the kind of the lone evangelicals there, except for our church. Uh, and uh, what you get from them is they're really nice, but they don't want you anywhere near. Uh, they've been nice enough to invite me to teach at some of their empty pulpits because uh, they're really not very good at ministry, and so their churches are dying. And uh, sure, I'll go preach, but yeah, act, you know, there's plenty um, from the pagan. Uh, people uh, also were white, and people think we're French, and they hate French people there. Um, I always thought that was a virtue, but uh, uh, we love French people too. Actually, there's a good number of people in our Bible studies that are from French background. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it's a challenging mission field. I would say it's a, uh, a missionary graveyard kind of mission field. Uh, people go there with good intentions and fail. So we're not failing, but happens all the time. So it's, a, it's tricky, and pray for us. The thing that overcomes uh, the world is uh, Jesus and Bible doctrine and your prayers. Good. Anything else? Did I use up all your time? No, we're good. Okay. Mission accomplished. You know, we forgot our prayer cards, of course. I'm going to give them to Cliff tomorrow. <laughs> And he's going to bring them back I'm going to bring them back. Yep, I will. And and these are our our contact, this way to contact us. Follow us on Facebook uh, and Instagram. uh, And uh, there's uh, especially the monthly newsletters, a great source of information. So, yes, ma'am.
we've been able to meet the missionaries who are associated with it, and it's really been wonderful because y'all really do help because we then we can feel close to you when we're giving our monies. Well, uh, thank you for giving. Um, and uh, I'd, I'd like to say uh, Village Ministries has their own newsletter. We're going to be featured in their newsletter, uh, I think, next time. So anyway, yeah, and, and thanks for saying that. So we're, uh, we think Village Ministries is fantastic, great partners. Yeah, just send an email, uh, uh, evanaliapf uh, at gmail.com. Want this? Yeah. I'm actually going to take the microphone from Mark. Uh, but let's give a, a big round of applause, a thank you to Pastor Mark for coming and speaking. Uh, he, took, he, took, he took the time to do this. He didn't have to do that. And, and they were coming to the conference, and he made a special trip here to talk to all of us today. And I consider us really fortunate and blessed that he did that. So thank you very much for doing that. And don't, don't forget to spend some time talking to both Mark and Renee. Uh, I'm going to have somebody pass out some, um, while, I'm, while I'm putting this microphone on, somebody pass out the paperwork here. What I'm going to be talking about here is uh, we're not going to do the full-blown study. We've done it in the past, twice actually. But what I'm going to talk about is something that's been on my heart, and it's something with regard to one another passages in our scriptures. And uh, it's something that's very important that we understand that um, the Lord has told us that we're supposed to be engaged with one another. And... Uh, So we're going to talk about that here this morning in brief, in brief. Uh, a couple of things I want to say about Pastor Mark's presentation. Uh, first of all, definitely be in prayer for this uh, curriculum, for the homeschool stuff. I will say that uh, I'll give you an example, a similar kind of a situation. Uh, Pastor Ralph LaRosa, who's with the Lord now, uh, he uh, he had had an organization, Operation Grace World Ministries, and over in the Philippines, they actually started a school there, and that school still goes today, right? That's they started out just with the the first grades, and then they moved on up, and now they got kids of all ages in those schools, and people love to bring their kids to these schools, right? They're being taught wonderful things there. It's all Bible based. Cindy. His wife continues the ministry on now that uh, Ralph is with the Lord. But it's a powerful thing when you can reach these children and reach them with the truth, right? Not only are you teaching them, so it's a homeschool curriculum, right? But you're teaching them things that are related to the scriptures in the process. And the sooner you can ground them in the things like that, the better it is. So be in prayer for this homeschool curriculum. That's something that can really, really make a huge difference. The other thing I want to say is, I, honest to goodness, as I'm telling you, I'm being as honest as I can be. I never thought I would hear Methodist and Pentecostal in the same sentence. <laughs> Not only that, side by side, together. That's something I never thought I'd hear. So that was a shocker to me. All right, real quick, we're just going to run through this. This, again, is just we got literally 
25 minutes here because it's communion Sunday and I want to talk about one another concepts. <clears throat> this is very important. The New Testament often refers to activities that involve interaction with one another. Some of these activities are negative in nature. We don't want to be doing those activities while others are presented in a positive light and are commanded to be done. Such commands are difficult, if not impossible to obey when believers choose to isolate themselves by abstaining from being part of a local assembly. Now, we're around other believers all the time, but this is a great environment here in a local church setting in order to participate in those one another activities. And the Bible mentions it a lot. And what's, part of the reason this was already on my heart, part of the reason I wanted to talk about this today, it was already on my heart. And then when we were having dinner and we were talking with Jeff Phipps, uh, I was getting to know him a little bit. We talked about this exact thing, about how a lot of times in churches like this, this is not emphasized. And it needs to be because this is an important part of the Christian life, important part of our walk. Now, I've got a lot of stuff in this that we're not going to cover. I'm going to skip over it. It's all in the, in the printout. By the way, I will tell you right now, I apologize for the small type. I jammed it all together so it fit on one page front and back. And it's so small, you may need a microscope to read it. But, but I did that just so you would have the notes in hand. We went through and talked about vocabulary when we studied this before. We looked at the Greek words that are used for the idea of one another. Uh, and then we got into some development. We talked about speaking uses of the one another, and we talked about Christ. Uh, and then we're going to move on into uh, not about Paul or these kinds of things. We're going to work, work on actually some commands. And what I've done is I've highlighted the ones that we're going to touch on today. Uh, all of these are important, but uh, Colossians 3.9, Colossians 3.9 do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. So we see right here a one another activity that we can engage in, but we're not supposed to. It's a prohibition. Remember, anytime you have a command in the negative, it's a prohibition. You're not supposed to be engaging in this activity. I can tell you right now there is great harm that has come about not only within the body of Christ, but within local church congregations because of this right here, people lying and causing uh, problems within the congregation. So don't lie to one another and don't complain. Uh-oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, James 5.9 says, Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. Don't complain against one another. Well, well what do we do then? Does that, what do we do if we're actually, uh, if we know that there's somebody, for example, in the church where there's an activity happening and it's something they shouldn't be doing and then we apply the Matthew concept of one-on-one -on -one conversations, two or three, and then the whole church, doesn't that mean I have, to, I have to go to the pastor and I have to complain about that individual? Well, no. The idea of complaining is really that you're, you're, you're knocking them down, right? When you're complaining, you're knocking them down. If you go to your pastor and you talk about somebody within the church that you believe is engaged in some activities that they shouldn't be, hopefully you're doing it from the standpoint of you want to build them up, right? You see what's going on and you see a brother or a sister in trouble and you go talk to your pastor about it, not because you want to see them shamed or kicked out or whatever else, but because you care about them. And you're hoping that through the process of all of this, they'll be built up in their faith. So the idea of complaining is really in the negative sense. You're really trying to cut somebody down. You're complaining. Um, there's other words I could apply, but they're not appropriate for church. Um, admonishing, right? Admonishment. 
Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. Now, this is in the positive sense. This is an activity we are supposed to be engaged in. With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So admonishment. See, here's the thing. I mean, there's, there's an interaction that happens between believers in the body of Christ and within a local church assembly, and occasionally the right approach is an admonishment, right? We need to be, we need to be admonished. So this is presented from the standpoint of what, some things that we need to be doing. We need to admonish one another. Again, we talked about this last hour, for those of you who were here for the Galatians uh, class, with gentleness and in love. Remember, I, you guys will hear me highlight this all the time. We as Christians are supposed to operate within the sphere of love. In other words, love, that is agape love, is supposed to guide us in everything we think, say, and do. And so within the sphere of love, with a spirit of gentleness, we should have admonishment for one another when it's appropriate. And one of the things I will tell you is that when you, when you see a situation where you believe that uh, another a believer should be admonished for something, pray about it before you do it. Make sure, number one, that you're right. You're right about the fact that an admonishment is appropriate in that situation. And also, number two, that you're the one that's supposed to do it. Because remember, if you go, if you're the one that goes and talks to them about it, it might be, it might do more harm than good. Ask God to give you wisdom. And if that's what you're called to do, don't shy away from it. Be gentle and admonish somebody. Now, admonishment is done in love. It's done in love, and you have to do it in a way that you're trying to build somebody up. I get admonished all the time by the Word of God. I don't know about you, but the Word admonishes me quite often. Again, I've highlighted just a few things here. We're getting away from speaking uses here, and we're getting to non-speaking uses of the one another concept. Betrayal. These are negative uses of it. Matthew 24:10. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. You also see the idea of hatred there. Betray one another and hate one another. Now, this course is talking about a particular context. I don't want to strip it out of the context that it's in, but is there application for us today? Absolutely, there's application for us today. We don't want to be engaged in betrayal of one another. We're not supposed to be betraying our brothers and sisters in Christ, Uh, whatever the situation is. That's something we don't want to be engaged in. Uh, you don't want to get. You don't want to have glory from men. I love this one, John five forty four. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Now you think, well, how? What? I don't. How could that happen? Oh man, it happens all the time, all the time. Believers will seek after uh, glory from other people. All the time it happens, and it's really dangerous from somebody in my position, right? Because if you're a pastor of a local church and then have all these people telling you how wonderful you are, which I don't have to worry about that problem. You guys put me in my place, right? But if all these people telling you how wonderful you are, you can get just, that can just be really a heady experience. You can get caught up in that where you're more interested in doing what you think will cause people to approve of you than God himself. And you guys can, you guys can think of your own examples. I'm not going to have to name any. Well, that can happen to any believer. You can be engaged in a ministry of some kind. God calls you to a ministry. You get engaged in that ministry, and you can start receiving all this approbation, this approval, this people talking about how wonderful you are for what you're doing, and you can lose track of the fact that you're serving the Lord. 
And you can start doing it in such a way that you're serving people. So don't be, don't be caught up in the idea of what I've heard the term, you've probably heard this term before, approbation lust, where you're lusting after the approval of others rather than seeking the approval of God himself. That's important. Again, I'm skipping over a lot of things here because we don't have that much time. What about judgment? Romans 14:13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. We spent a lot of time on the Romans 14 concept. You will hear me talk about that all the time. People will come up to me and talk about some particular thing, and I say, well, that's Romans 14. That falls into that category. And what that is, Romans 14 discusses things that are not specifically spelled out in Scripture as to whether something is right or wrong. You know, and we had this conversation. I know this is a this is a touch point for some of you. I know this, but we had the whole conversation about the COVID-19 vaccines. I am convinced that's a Romans 14 issue. You're not right if you take the COVID-19 vaccine. You're not wrong if you take the COVID-19 vaccine. It is a matter of a personal decision on that regard. And uh, don't run around telling people that they're evil because they took the vaccine or don't tell or run around telling people they're evil because they didn't. This is a Romans 14 topic. And so the idea of judging one another, that's what we're talking about. You're not supposed to be running around judging other people in those areas. Now, the Bible spells out a lot of things that are crystal clear. And we don't have, we don't, you don't throw those into the Romans 14 category. Those things are crystal clear. And you stand firm on those things. The gospel, for example, Pastor Mark was talking about the gospel, a clear gospel. We don't negotiate on the gospel. The gospel is faith alone and Christ alone, right? That's what we're talking about. Salvation by faith alone and Christ alone. You can't add water baptism. You can't add whatever else, right? Don't throw anything else in there. It's faith alone and Christ alone. So there's areas where we stand firm, but there's areas where it's a Romans 14 topic. I give the example. I've given it many times. I had a relative that was convinced that caffeine was a drug like any other drug and you were not supposed to put drugs in your body, right? So they were really adamant about not consuming caffeine. And out of respect for them, when I was around them, I didn't, I didn't, didn't drink any caffeine products, right? I didn't, I mean, but you know, when, when I'm not around them, I mean, first thing in the morning, I get up, I have a cup of coffee. I don't know about you, but I get up and have a cup of coffee because I don't have a problem with it, but I don't want to be a stumbling block for them, right? I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Very important in our interactions. Challenging or envying, Galatians 5:26. And again, I've given you the paperwork. You can go through all these verses on your own. This is just a quick hit on the idea of one another concepts. Galatians 5.26, guess what? We just looked at this verse last hour, didn't we? And this is the New American Standard translation as opposed to mine. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another, right? In arrogance, challenging one another. That's not, it's not presented in a positive sense. If you think about the idea of challenging, that can be a, that can be a positive thing. The idea of challenging one another, right? As you live your Christian life, you can kind of encourage others to engage more in their Christian walk. It can be a challenge. You can, be a, you can present them a challenge in a positive way. That's not what this is. This is challenging them in terms of tearing them down, envying one another. Now, we don't engage in envy of any kind, do we? Envying one another. We don't want to get involved in that at all. But a lot of Christians do. I see Christians that actually will put other Christians on a pedestal 
that's almost idolatry. <laughs> really, seriously. They look at these Christians, and, you know, I'll give you an example of, of going back in history. There are people who will erroneously put the Apostle Paul up on a pedestal to the point of making him an idol to the, to the point where you end up with what's called hyper-dispensationalism, which is where only the writings of Paul matter because he's the one who revealed the mystery of the church. And so only his writings matter. Nothing else matters. And they put Paul up on this pedestal. Well, I promise you Paul would not want that. <laughs> he would not have wanted that at all. But don't you can do that. And then what happens is you can actually, and once you've done that, you can now start to envy other Christians because you because in mentally you've already put them on some kind of a pedestal and now you have this envy for them so we don't want to get engaged in any of that kind of thing none of that uh, these are things we want to avoid what about hating yeah we shouldn't do that uh, Titus 3 3 says for we also once were foolish ourselves disobedient deceived enslaved to various lusts and pleasures spending our life in malice and envy hateful hating one another was there any place for hate of that kind among the body of Christ? I don't think so. We're not supposed to hate one another. Now, you, here, now here's the thing you've got to keep in mind. You might not necessarily approve of what somebody's doing, but you shouldn't hate them. We're talking about a brother or sister in Christ. I always use my, my mom as an example. My mom loves me regardless, right? She loves me regardless. But she did not always approve of things that I did. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, if she were up here and had the opportunity to talk, we wouldn't have enough time. We'd run out of time because she'd have so many things she could tell you about what I did in my lifetime that she didn't think I should have been doing. But she loved me nonetheless, right? And that's the way we should be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should love them. If they're engaged in something they shouldn't be doing, yes, we can disapprove of that, but without hating them. So hating one another, if you look at this verse, this is clearly not describing a Christian here. We're talking about the way we were as unbelievers. We were involved in various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. And then verse 4 tells you, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds. And it goes on from there, but according to his Right? His, according to grace is what it comes down to. But the bottom line of all this is this is an activity that we don't want to be engaged in. This is, this is something that's presented in a negative light in the Scriptures, hating one another. Now, what about positive uses? What about peace? First Thessalonians 5.13, that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And then it says, live in peace with one another. The second half of this is what I really wanted to highlight. Live in peace with one another. Now, I will move to, the, to another verse that says, inasmuch as it's up to you, be at peace with all men, right? So I don't know if you found this in your particular walk, but I know I've had it happen many, many times where I was doing everything I could to have a, uh, be at peace with a brother or sister in Christ, but they were having none of it. I can't do anything about that. I have no control over their volition. I have no control over how they act towards me. I mean, very much like if you look at the situation, uh, Pastor Mark, what he's doing over in Tahiti. What is he doing? He's introducing these things to the Tahitian people. He has no control, no control over how they react to that, how they respond. He wants us to pray for positive volition, but he can't force them. This pastor you were talking about, and I've forgotten his name, unfortunately, he hasn't crossed the line. We can pray for that man, that he will come over and start to learn how to teach 
proper Bible exposition and get excited about what you guys are bringing to the table. But we can't force him. You can't force him to do it, right? The only way he's going to actually change his mind on that is if God moves him, right? And that's what you talked about. That's the whole thing we need to understand. That's the situation. If you're trying to have a peaceful relationship with a brother or sister in Christ and they are just not having anything to do with it, pray about it. Put them in the hands of God and say, I really want to be at peace with this this person, but it's just not, it's just they, they won't seem to let it happen. And let God be the one that takes care of it because if you try to fix it, uh, it ain't going to work out. Let me put it that way. What about serving one another? Galatians 5.13, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. And I love this, this is one, I love this saying, but through love serve one another. See, there's that function of love again, right? It's a function of love. Serve one another. Again, every gift we've been given, every bit of wisdom that we have, every bit of understanding that we have, all the characteristics that we have within us that are godly characteristics have been given to us that we might serve one another. I wasn't given the pastor-teacher gift so I could run around and brag that I'm a pastor-teacher. I was given the pastor-teacher gift to use it to serve all of you, to serve the body of Christ. Whatever it is that we have, it's so that we can serve others. So I'm not supposed to take the freedom that I have and be selfish with it. No, I'm supposed to take the freedom that I have and use it to serve others. And again, I always like to keep it in mind. You don't want to become arrogant about something like that either because remember, God can accomplish whatever he needs to accomplish without us. Anything, whatever it is. If he needed somebody, if he needed... If he needed his word to be communicated this morning, he could do so through a rock if he wanted to, right? A boulder could be sitting up on this platform and he could communicate his word. He gives me the opportunity to be his fellow worker. He invites me to be his fellow worker in sharing his word. He invites you to be his fellow worker. Remember it that way. So as you're serving others, Remember that you're doing it as God has invited you to be his fellow worker in that. Does that make sense? I hope it does. What about encouragement? Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another day after day. So when are we not to do that? It says every day, really. Encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, every believer needs encouragement. We all do. That's one of the beautiful things about being part of the one another concept, being part of a local church assembly, is that we have others around us who can encourage us. If you think I don't need encouragement, you're, you're badly mistaken. If you think Pastor Mark doesn't need encouragement, you're badly mistaken. We need encouragement, amen? I mean, there is, I promise you right now, the ministry can be discouraging. I have not heard this. I have not heard anybody say this to me yet, but I remember um, Pastor Bob Bolander at Austin Bible Church telling me how one day somebody walked up to him and said they were leaving the church and he was talking to him about it and they, they looked, looked at him right in the eye and, said, and they said, because the Word of God doesn't work. And I mean, his heart just fell to the floor, you know, because he knows, like I know, the Word of God does. It's transformative. It's the thing that makes a difference in people's lives. The thing that's going to change people's lives in Tahiti is the Word of God. Giving them the truth of God's Word. That's, you know, the one truth, like you said, that's going to change people's lives. And to hear somebody say that, I mean, Pastor Bob was so discouraged. So discouraged. 
And now another another incident that happened to him as well is that uh, within the within the span of a week, <laughs> this is so funny. Within the span of a week, and I'm not going to mention names here. But within the span of a week, he had somebody come in and say that they again people leaving the church. One person came in and left the church and he said, you know, the reason we're leaving is because you don't teach enough like this other pastor that we know. Within a week, less than a week later. Somebody came in and said, we're leaving the church because you teach too much like that pastor that we know. And it's the same pastor. <laughs> so how discouraging is that? But you got what you, what you realize is what I've said to you before. What you realize is I'm, no, I'm, not, I'm not another pastor. I'm the pastor that God called me to be. I'm going I'm to bring the word of God to you the way he has called me to bring it to you. And I'm not emulating anybody else. I'm not a clone of anyone else. And if that happened to me, I would just kind of say, well, you know, somebody's got their, somebody's got their priorities mixed up, right? Because... My, you, you, should, you should measure me by this right here. Am I, am I proclaiming to you what's in this book? Am I teaching you what the Word of God says? If I'm doing that, all the rest of it is, is details, right? Just details. All right. Pastors need encouragement. We all need encouragement. How about caring? 1 Corinthians 12:25 so that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another care do you care do you care about other people in this local church i mean i look around this body of believers in this local church do you care about the people in this local church i do i love all of you very much i care and hopefully you care for one another and really again this extends out to the body of christ not just a local church this is a great place to exercise all of these one another concepts. But we should care about people that are in the body of Christ. I mean, I think about people that we're praying for. We, and again, I won't mention names, but people that we're praying for, people that we know are actually saved and they've walked away from the faith. I mean, I have a particular passion for that because when I was younger, I, I had my own walkabout. For quite a few years, I walked away. And then God got me, well, I don't have much hair to grab, do I? But he grabbed me and he pulled me back and got me back where I was supposed to be. So I, I know what it's like to be on walkabout, on spiritual walkabout. And so I care about people that are struggling that way. Hopefully we do care for one another. What about bearing burdens? Galatians 6.2, we're, we're just getting ready to get this in the Galatians study. We're not quite there, but we will soon. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. What law are we under? The law of liberty, the law of Christ, there it is. There's a description. Bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. We are supposed to. We are supposed to bear. It's interesting, right after that, and we're going to talk about this. This is going to be a fun one. It says in verse 5, for each one will bear his own load. Wait a minute. It says in verse 2, we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. And then in verse 5, it says we're supposed to bear, we're supposed to bear our own load. We'll talk about that. The bottom line is, though, as we understand about other people and we find out about their burdens, we are supposed to bear those. And what, what are you going to do with that burden, by the way? Are you going to let it weigh you down? Or are you going to take it and hand it to our Father in heaven at the throne of grace? That's what we need to do. But we know about it and we're prayerful about what their burden is. We care those, this goes directly with the idea of caring, right? That we bear others' burdens. What about preference, devotion? Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Now, this is, this is not agape love. This is actually Philadelphia love, brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. 
So we're supposed to be devoted to one another in brotherly love, in Philadelphia love, and giving preference to one another in honor. Devotion to one another. Most people, this whole culture we live in, the society we live in, what do, we, what, what do they encourage you to be devoted to? Yourself. And this scripture says you're supposed to be devoted to one another. What about like-mindedness? Same chapter, just a few verses later. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. That sounds a lot like a scripture memory verse we had. Yeah. Be of the same mind toward one another. Like-mindedness within a congregation is powerful as we have that like-mindedness. Now, are we going to agree on every jot and tittle of life? No. I told, I gave you the example of... Uh, a gentleman who was a deacon at Austin Bible Church, and when it came to everything, everything else in life, he and Pastor Bob wouldn't agree on anything. The sports that they liked, he was Air Force, Pastor Bob was Army, and you know that, you know how that goes, right? I mean, so, uh, but everything else in life, they were totally different in terms of their views of things. But when it came to the Christian life and it came to spiritual matters, they were 100% like-minded. And that's where it really counts, right? I mean, if you like, if you like uh, football and I like baseball, are we going to part ways? I hope not, right? I hope that what we care about is the spiritual matters. That's where we're like-minded. By the way, I like them both, actually, but just so you know. Uh, building one another up, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. You see, there's also the idea of encouragement there. Build up one another. God's in the building business. If he's building and we're tearing down, uh, we're working against him, right? Why are we tearing down what he's building? We're supposed to be in the process of building one another up. That's the fancy word for that is edification. Pick up some more points here. What about tolerance or forbearance? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, show tolerance for one another in love. By the way, this is the real definition of tolerance. The modern definition of tolerance is actually, if you look it up in a dictionary that's not a new dictionary, it's actually under the definition of intolerance. Because the modern definition of tolerance is if you agree with what I, if you agree with what I believe, then I can tolerate you. If you don't, I can't tolerate you. That's intolerance. <laughs> that's what that is, is intolerance. This is true tolerance. Now, one of the keys, one of the keys, again, for one another in love, notice the love that's mentioned there. One of the keys to the Christian life is, let's say there's another believer that you know, and it could even be, dare I say, your spouse, who you see things differently when it comes to certain areas. Whatever it might be, you have a disagreement with them in regard to some spiritual matter or whatever it might be, or maybe it's not even a spiritual matter, whatever it is. But remember, when you think about that, one of the things you don't want to do is you don't want to look at them and say, well, they're wrong and I'm right, and they need to learn what I know. You know what you, know, you need to do? You need to tolerate them from the standpoint of they're in a different place spiritually or whatever than you are, and you need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, if I'm right, then help them understand the truth. If I'm wrong, help me understand the truth. Because I don't know about you, but I'm still growing in the faith. I ain't got it all figured out. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. Still a process. Kindness. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving. This is where it really hits. Forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. That's the standard of forgiveness. Were you, were you deserving in any way of the forgiveness that you received from God? No. 
And so remember that when it comes to forgiving others. We are held to that standard. We're supposed to forgive others, forgive each other. That's another one another idea, right? Forgive each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. That person may not in any way deserve your forgiveness, but you're supposed to forgive in that, in that way as God in Christ has forgiven us. High standard there. What about humility? Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Remember, this goes back to the same idea of serving others, right? I'm, I'm not focused on selfishness. I'm focused on selflessness, serving others, regarding them as more important than myself. And then I like verse 4 too, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Because it highlights, you know what, you do have to look out after your own personal interests. Right? I mean, I've got to... I mean, I hope, you, I hope you think that. I mean, I do need to, you know, take a shower, clean myself up, get dressed. You wouldn't want me to show up in my pajamas here at church, right? I have to take care of my own personal interests. But I'm thinking about other people's personal interests, right? I'm thinking about them as more important than my own. But I do need to take care of my own interests as well. Stimulation, we're almost done here. <clears throat> Let us consider how to stimulate one another to what? Love and good deeds. And Jeff talked about this last week. He was, he was thinking he was going to get a, a people that were going to be shocked when he started talking about good works. But you guys hear me preach Ephesians 2.10 all the time, right? We, were, we, were, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them, right? So our Christian life is going to involve good works, right? So we are, as believers, we're supposed to stimulate one another to love, very important, and good deeds. And then, of course, verse 25, not forsaking our assembling together which is a very important thing, right? It's very important to gather together. Let me see what else we have here. We're not going to be able to touch on all of these because we're running out of time. Fellowship with one another, loving one another. These are all important, right? We want to have fellowship with one another. First John 1, 7, love. You know, you got to get into the gospel of John when you talk about love. But Paul talks about it plenty. Uh, I'll just pick on one of these. Let's see, pick one of these verses here. Let's go Romans 13. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. If you think about it, look at, the, look at everything that's detailed in the law. And if you, if you apply love to the situation, you realize, well, I'm not going to go murder somebody if, I, if I'm operating in love. I'm not going to go steal from somebody if I'm operating in love. Just go down the list. If you love your neighbor, you fulfill the law. The whole thing is going to be taken care of by loving your neighbor. Very important concept. So loving one another. You all hear me say it all the time. I tell you that I love you. And I don't, I'm not saying that lightly. I do. I love, I love the group of people that God has gathered at this local church. Finally, in conclusion, we're going to just finish with this. With the clear emphasis on interaction with one another, it's imperative that believers be part of a local assembly. And we looked at that in Hebrews 10.25. I'm not saying you can't have an incredible Christian walk uh, listening to recordings, or we used to call it tapes, right? Tapers, right? You, you, can't, you can have an incredible walk listening to lessons from a, a church that you don't attend. You can grow in the faith, absolutely. But there's a piece that's not there. There's a, part of, there's a part of the Christian walk that's enhanced by being part of a local assembly, and that's the one another interactions. Within the one another passages, the overwhelming emphasis on the mental attitude of love among the brethren gives us guidance as to how we're supposed to function in our daily walk. 1 Corinthians 10, 14, let all that you be, do be done in love. I think that sums it up, doesn't it? Let all that you do be done in love. All right. 
That is, I'm not going to go through the rest of that. We're going to have to stop right there because we're at the end of our time. You've got the notes. You can take a look at that. Uh, We'll go ahead and stop right there and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for not only this wonderful report that we got from Pastor Mark with regard to the ministries in Tahiti, all that they're doing over there, the challenges that they have, the plans that they have. Help us to be prayerful with regard to what they're doing over there. Help us to support them financially as we can and through prayer. And Father, thank you for the lesson, the reminder we had about these one another concepts. We are made to be part of a body of believers interacting with other believers. There's interaction that's negative. There's interaction that's positive and and building up others. And so we ask that you would help us to recognize that need for that interaction with others, that we would do it in such a way that we are serving others, encouraging others, building them up in their faith, doing what you would have us to do as your fellow workers, engaging with other brothers and sisters in Christ as part of our Christian walk. We thank you for these reminders. In Jesus Christ's most precious and holy name we pray. Amen.